0: This message comes from Capital One. Your business faces unique challenges and opportunities. That's why Capital One offers a comprehensive suite of financial services backed by the strength of a top 10 commercial bank. Visit CapitalOne.com slash commercial. Member FDIC.
1: The new Prime Video series, Expats, fits quite neatly into the recent work done by its star, Nicole Kidman. She plays a rich woman who is one of three American so-called expats living in 2014 Hong Kong whose stories intersect. The series was created by Lulu Wang, who wrote and directed The Farewell. It looks at the lives of these three women who are all affected by one catastrophic event and its aftermath. I'm Linda Holmes, and today we're talking about expats
2: on NPR's Pop Culture Happy Hour. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Third Love. Third Love makes solutions for every bra problem. Give yourself more lift, smoothing, and get straps that stay put. Every style's wear tested on real women, made from premium materials, with a virtual fitting room to help you find your perfect fit. Comfort and support are guaranteed. It's time to get your problem solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with code PODCAST15. And NPR listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Visit Myrtle Beach. Sun-drenched days, live music every night, and 60 miles of uninterrupted coastline, Myrtle Beach was made for playing hard and beaching easy. Combine that with the aroma of fresh seafood, southern classics, and local low-country cuisine from over 2,000 restaurants. You belong at The Beach, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Plan your trip at visitmyrtlebeach.com.
0: This message comes from Capital One, offering commercial solutions you can bank on.
1: Joining me today is the Philadelphia Inquirer's arts and entertainment editor and film critic, Bidatri D. Chaudhry. Welcome back, Badatri.
3: Thank you so much, Linda.
1: And also with us is our pal, writer Kat Chow. Hi, Kat. Hey, good to be on. Expats is based on Janice Y.K. Lee's best selling book, The Expatriates. Lee was herself. Born in Hong Kong to Korean expats, then moved to the United States as a teenager, Nicole Kidman's production company optioned the book, and eventually Lulu Wang, who was pretty much fresh off writing and directing the film The Farewell, was brought in to create the show. Kidman stars as Margaret, a woman who has suffered a loss that you will eventually learn more about. Saru You Blue plays Hillary, a woman whose marriage is lousy and whose husband is only sort of present for her. And Ji Young Yu plays Mercy, a young Korean-American woman living in Hong Kong whose situation is much more precarious than the well-off Margaret and Hillary. But while those two live in the same ritzy building, we'll eventually learn that their lives intersect with Mercy's as well. Expats is streaming now on Prime Video, and we should mention that Amazon supports NPR and pays to distribute some of our content. But Daughtry, I'm going to start with you. Expats, Nicole Kidman, rich people abroad, what did you think? I was very
3: lukewarm on it. You know, I was very excited about it as an immigrant. And But I, I need to say something before I tell you more about what I thought. You know, many years ago, I don't know, I don't remember where I read it. But there was this quote, which is something to the tune of, how do you know the difference between an expat and an immigrant? And it's by the color of their skin and the size of their wallet. And Mm. I have Mm. never forgotten that quote. And even before I watched the series when I read the name I was like oh it's about rich white people <laughs> you know right um, yeah and which is the problem which is the problem of the show and I'm I'm sure we'll talk more about it it could have gone so much deeper this life in the intersections of race politics uh, gender geography all of this it's such a fertile ground for good storytelling and it's kind of a pity that the series doesn't go there
1: yeah. Uh, I am told that there is a sense that an expat is a person who is sort of by design living where they're living temporarily, that they're on like mm-hmm. a a three year assignment or something like that. But the problem with that kind of definition is that it can always be kind of backformed to accommodate what you're talking about. Which is the sense that like an expat is a rich white person, <laughs> yeah, and, and sort of you get that question with with Mercy because Mercy's not rich and not white, and in fact Hillary isn't isn't white either, although she is rich. But I still think that foundationally what you're saying is right, even though like technically maybe there's another way that those things are supposed to be distinguished.
3: Yeah, I'm sure an immigration lawyer listening to this right. will have definition. <laughs> it's going to
4: write in and have some thoughts. Yeah. It's like
1: there is a difference, but like how often is that the difference versus exactly what you're talking about, particularly in how people talk about it? Cat, tell me what you thought about expats.
4: Oh, wow. You know, I was excited when I first heard about this show because I love Lulu Wong's The Farewell and also my family's from Hong Kong and it. it has always been a city that I've been interested in, you know, as a Chinese American. And watching it, I was a bit disappointed. I mean, in general, I'm just exhausted by narratives about wealthy Americans or just wealthy people in general. And I felt myself so drawn to the narratives that sort of were a lot more quiet or showed up in the back part of the series, which mm-hmm. I'm sure we're going to talk mm-hmm. about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, what Badatri was saying, there was so much fertile ground for this show to be able to plumb, but it was really difficult for me to find any of the major characters compelling or likable. I mean... Yeah. I I really wanted more of Puri and Essie, who are considered the quote helpers of Nicole Kidman's character and Saryu Blue's characters.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And I, I had the same reaction that, that you did, Kat, about being more interested in some of the things that they just barely touched on, particularly as you mentioned. Essie, who is Margaret's helper, who's played by Ruby Ruiz, and Puri, who is Hillary's helper, who is played by Amlin Pardonilla, And I found them really interesting. Both of those characters are Filipina, and they talk about their relationship between, like, being these helpers for families, but being away from their own family. Essie, mm-hmm. in particular, is really pained mm-hmm. by the idea that, that she's been separated from her own family. And it's not that she doesn't love these kids, but... In the parts of the story that are not specifically about Essie, I thought it was a little kind of overly romantic about how much she felt like this family was her family. And I thought, yes, I bet that's not right. <laughs> I yeah, thought, like, yeah. <laughs> I bet these are the people that you work for. And it's not that you are you don't love them. But as in any job, you know the difference between your family and your employers. And I would have loved to watch a show that was more about them and about Pori, who's a very interesting character. Mm-hmm. One of my favorites. Yeah, me too. And so I find myself in this same position as I think kind of what you're talking about, Kat, which is like, I never know how to respond to things when my feeling is... I wanted this show to be about something else. Yes. But in yeah. this particular context, particularly given that there's this very fraught political situation in Hong Kong, in which, and there's some good reporting, including at NPR, about the crackdown from the government in Beijing on political expression and things like that, and political activity in Hong Kong. Like making this the focus, just it wasn't what I wanted it to be about.
4: Yes, I totally agree. I mean, and it's hard, right? So this whole series takes place in 2014 and there are appearances of the Umbrella Movement, which is when a lot of students came about and protested basically China's encroachment on Hong Kong. And as we know, in recent years, in 2020, especially with the national security law, that has become an even more dire situation. And it's hard. I was thinking about this as I was preparing to come on the show just Hollywood in general and the struggles to portray China and then also the complicated relationship that Hollywood has with China in terms of the box office mm-hmm. and different concessions that have been made in terms of what is shown mm-hmm. um, I'm pretty sure based on BBC reporting the expat is not even shown in Hong Kong that's what I'm told to I don't yeah. think it's available and so yeah I think yeah. there's just a deep irony that this is in theory, a show so much about a certain demographic about Hong Kong, and yet the people who live there and have their ordinary lives there can't watch it. Yeah. And and I should, I should say for people who have not
1: kept up with this story, when expats was being filmed, among other things, they procured an exception for Nicole Kidman and a handful of crew members from the quarantine rules that would have applied to those people when they came to Hong Kong, and that were being applied to lots and lots and lots of regular people. And the fact that they got those exceptions kind of, I think, got the the production off on a bad foot in Mm -hmm. in some ways with the community where it was, with the places where it was being filmed. And I'm curious how you feel about this, Padochri, because we've talked before about kind of immigrant stories, which, as you say, both is and isn't a different thing from this. But I'm curious what you thought about kind of the way, the place that this series puts its focus.
3: Yeah, uh, of course, Hong Kong is a very interesting place to set any story in. But Linda, you mentioned this in your NPR review a little bit. The show, as it is filmed and told, Could literally be in any big city which sees a huge influx of uh, immigrants and expats and whatever you call it, right? And to Kat's point, like, you know, the protests are literally in the background barring, say, I don't know, 10 minutes, not even. And whatever we see is also a very manicured version of the protests. Mm-hmm. Like it's a photo op. If you didn't know what
1: they were about, I don't yeah. know if you'd even yeah. know what they were about.
4: No, you don't. You don't. Yeah, there were some like news real you know, voiceovers. Just a but little still in it the wasn't background. wasn't really engaged with. Yeah,
3: and like the banners are like, hear us sing or whatever, like, you know. It could be any protest. It could be any big city. So I do not understand, you know, this show of might to make it happen in Hong Kong specifically, especially when, you know, the end product really doesn't, you know, I've not been there. I'm not
4: from there, but I don't think the show does the place any justice. And the irony in a way of this show not appearing in Hong Kong or being available to stream is, I mean, I think what the expat as a series is grappling with is how much should you show? How much can you show? And there's, I don't know, is there a way to be able to do it well? And that's something that I've just been thinking about.
3: You know, honestly, Lulu Wong does such interesting and beautiful things with grief in The Farewell that I was like, okay, even if she gets everything else wrong, even if she does not do her homework on Hong Kong uh, when she's making the show, which, you know, which is not okay, okay, But even if she did those interesting things with grief and mourning that she does in the farewell in this show, then this show, even with its faults, would have been a much, much better show.
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting because when I wrote about this show for NPR, one of the exchanges that I had with people was, you know, clarifying, I don't think the show had to be a show about Hong Kong politics. And Once it's about these three women, it's never going to be a show about Hong Kong politics. But once you set it in 2014 and once you have kind of this one episode that touches on the protest movement that's going on and also simultaneously the lives of Essie and Corey, once you do that, then you kind of have to sort of justify doing it or do it well yeah. because otherwise you're left with what is that for and what do you think that accomplishes Mm -hmm. foundationally my biggest problem with this show over the course of six episodes was that i thought it was very boring i think that once i got into these stories of these women it was like I've seen this on Big Little Lies. I've seen this in other places. It's all very sad. Don't get me wrong, it's sad, it's real. Yeah. And I think if it had been about just Mercy, who for various reasons yes. is the most interesting person to me by far in this story, Yep. maybe I would have been interested in it, but to me, the Margaret story and the Hillary story are both really boring, which is sad for me, particularly because I think Sorry You Blue is somebody I've really liked in other things. Yeah, I like her a lot, and I, I have really liked in both comedy mm-hmm. and drama. Did not care about the story in this, so
3: yeah. And also, we've seen Nicole Kidman do this so many times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, a part of this being boring is that because it it feels like we're watching a mashup of. Four different TV shows that have
4: completely, you know, yes. that have
3: come and gone on our screens for the last couple of years.
4: And I do want to give a shout out to, I mean, Ji Young-yu, mm-hmm. who plays Mercy, as you mentioned, Linda. The storyline that I found so compelling was the scenes that Ji Young-yu shared with the actress uh Bandu Sham, whose Cantonese name is uh, Sun Luyi. Yeah. And I thought those performances worked so well because they really showed attention in, you know, this Korean-American mercy, essentially, you know, going through her own class dynamics where she went to Columbia and she Mm -hmm. was brought to Hong Kong through her wealthy friend who basically, you know, abandoned her and is dealing with this tragedy and this sort of sorry-for-herself curse that, you know, she's Mm -hmm. been grappling with her entire life. And yet, while she might, in a way, be able to relate to the character Charlie, who she then strikes up a romantic relationship with, there's still a difference because she is, at the end of the day, American. And so she might mm-hmm. be going mm-hmm. about these protests, but it doesn't really matter in a way because the stakes for yeah. her are so yeah. different. And Charlie's open about
1: that with her. Charlie's yeah. open about yeah. saying, like, this is not your thing. Like, Yeah, but
3: one of the most unfair things about This whole very large, very long screenplay is in a world of extremely selfish women and men, it's Mercy who has the mirror held to her face and gets called selfish. I'm like, that is not fair.
4: I took a note of that, too. Mercy was the only one who sort of has to grapple with the consequences. I mean, Mm -hmm. because, of course, she doesn't have as much of that upward mobility. She's a better person. She She is a better person. She's paying more attention to other people.
1: She's paying more attention to how she fits into the world. And this whole series opens with this very unusual presentation that almost looks like a PowerPoint
4: where you have... Yeah,
3: I thought I was watching the wrong... You know, I was on the wrong video file
4: when I was watching it. I was like, I think Amazon sent me the wrong
1: thing. (laughs) Yes, me too. It's like a PowerPoint where it's Mercy's voiceover and she's talking about different instances where somebody causes something bad to happen. So ultimately, she's kind of doing this voiceover that's about culpability and the stories of people who suffer and then the stories of the people who cause them to suffer. And that's where you start to get into this idea of Mercy's guilt that, that she feels in my opinion unnecessarily which is a whole different question um mm-hmm. there is a moment where somebody finally says to mercy this could have happened to anybody and i thought exactly this whole yeah. thing of like her beating herself up is it really could have happened to anybody the way that they present it but anyway i felt when i was watching that opening like oh i'm i'm interested in this this is an interesting mm-hmm. idea to explore In a piece like this, this idea of culpability and how you forgive yourself. And it wants to get back to that, but it has these long kind of diversions where it's about other things that I don't think are effective at all. People with bad husbands, I just,
4: Yeah, bad husbands, dead neighbors. Oh, that whole thing is so weird. (laughs) Too much money in their bank accounts so they can rent other apartments. Put too much money in their bank accounts. You know, private caterers. It's just, you
3: know,
1: it's just so distracting from what you said, Linda, is the
3: core of the story.
1: Yeah. And you do see, I think, Lulu Wong's hand in the directing there is some beautiful kind of attention to detail there are plenty of I think beautifully framed shots I think you see her kind of visual sensibility but I don't necessarily think it came through in the content
3: I'm also a little tired of like these asian parents never hug their children kind of a trope which <laughs> especially as a south asian yeah. with um hillary's sarayu blue story her mother is like a cartoon character like you know yeah. and it doesn't need to be like that we've seen nuanced south asian characters some played by her you know mothers who are better than that and i was just like no 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 we are we are really regressing into territory we thought we were done with and I'm like nobody needs more of this yeah
4: oh for sure and then also mercy's mother too was another iteration of that with less screen time oh yeah I think you're right but actually as soon as I as soon as I saw
1: Hillary's mother and you know you hear a few lines out of her you think okay it's this and what are they going to do with it? And the answer is, unfortunately, not a lot more Nothing. story-wise yep. than yep. you typically see when you get that sort of like, mom doesn't think you have a successful life because you don't have children, and you should be doing this, you should be doing this, and t- tending to your marriage, and you know she's unhappy because she thinks that her mother has accepted too little in her own yeah. marriage, and mm. it's just very familiar.
3: Yeah. And also, I think it's, I mean, of course, it's true for these characters, but it's also true of the other quote-unquote main characters. Like,
4: mm-hmm.
3: you know, you almost at a point you want to talk to the screenplay saying, stop trying to make me like them because
4: they haven't changed. There has been no growth. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't need to like these characters I just need something interesting to happen to them to Mm -hmm. justify sitting and watching six episodes, one of which is an hour and a half, which was my favorite one. But still, there has to be something.
3: The first half of that episode actually is where Lulu Wong is in form. Yes. Where, you know, all these helps take a day off and those scenes are beautiful.
1: Yeah, in that hour and a half episode, it sort of follows a day in the life of the different helpers. It also is the one day where you kind of dip in on those protests and see some of the students and um, a little bit of the activity around the protests. But most of the episode is about those things and and not as much about the, the characters we've been following. Yeah, and as you guys are saying they don't they don't have to be likable and there was a a suggestion in some of the sort of publicity around this show that it's kind of satirizing these women and it's not satirizing these women it's just sort of presenting them and having something terrible happen to you does not make you sympathetic necessarily exactly mm-hmm. Well, that is expats for good and for ill. It is streaming on prime video. We want to know what you think about expats. Find us at facebook.com PCHH. That brings us to the end of our show. Kat Chow, Bidatri D. Chaudhry. Thank you so much for being here. It's always good to see you both.
4: Thank you so much. Thanks for having us on.
1: We want to take a moment to thank our Pop Culture Happy Hour Plus subscribers. We appreciate you so much for showing your support of NPR. If you haven't signed up yet, you want to show your support, and you'd like to listen to this show without any sponsor breaks, head over to plus.npr.org slash happy hour or visit the link in our show notes. This episode was produced by Liz Metzger and Cher Vincent and edited by Jessica Reedy and Mike Katzeff. And Hello, Come In provides our theme music. Thank you for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. I'm Linda Holmes, and we'll see you
2: all tomorrow. This message comes from NPR sponsor Acorn TV. Stream stories from around the world. From sinister suspense to charming comedies and clever crime dramas like My Life is Murder, starring Lucy Lawless. Visit acorn.tv for a 30-day free trial with promo code NPR. Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR.